Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. As uh, most of you know, I think we, I started a series of, a series of messages entitled The Lord God of Elijah. Uh, that was two or three weeks ago and we've just looked at a couple of messages and ordinarily this would have been the next message that I would have preached tonight because my my plan was to preach these messages on Sunday evening, but uh, but this is one I just feel compelled to to bring this morning. And then tonight, Lord willing, we'll pick up in verse number seven of this chapter with the next message. But for the time being, we we're looking at the first six verses. First Kings chapter seventeen, verse one, and Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. One of the things that I um, really like about Elijah's story is the fact that here is a man that we don't know anything about whatsoever. We know nothing about his parentage. We just we know where he was from, and that's all. God doesn't give us any background about his upbringing. Doesn't tell us about any great things that he had done to prepare himself for this ministry. And it, it's kind of like it was with Moses, and it shows us that God can take a nobody and make him a somebody to teach everybody that God can use anybody. And so we ought to rejoice knowing that if God could use Moses and if God could use Elijah, if God could use people like that, He can use any one of us. The key to God using us is being where God wants us to be. Now notice here that... that that God sent Elijah to a place called Cherith. That the, the very word means a cutting or to be cut off. It speaks about separation. In other words, God is moving him out of the mainstream and he told him to go hide thyself. You know, whenever I look at that, I think, man, that's the opposite of what most people want to do. You know, most people, you know, they want center stage. They want to be noticed. They want to be praised. And and this is an act of humility on Elijah's part. He's being tested and he passed the test. Go hide thyself. Uh, seemingly with the situation as it is in the nation and all of the problems with the immorality, the things that we talked about last week in the message and the horrible condition Surely Elijah must have thought, yeah, but I'm really needed here. You know, I, I, Lord, you need to use me right here. You need to let me mingle among the people. 
And God says, no, go down by the brook and just hide yourself. And that was a real test. And especially for a preacher, because a lot of them, you know, their only interest is showing themselves. And, you know, they've got to, you know, they they feel like that they're not successful unless, you know, they're in the top ten in the Sunday schools in the nation. And they've got their face on TV every week. And they've written 411 books and so forth. And, and, and God says, go hide yourself. It wouldn't set very well with a lot of folks. This is a test. And it reminds us that we are constantly being tested. Every child of God is constantly being put to the test. That's why Peter said, think it not strange, those fiery trials that, that try you as, you know, as though they happen to you only. Because they happen to all of us. We're all being put to the test. Now, I want you to notice, notice the word there. I've underlined it in my Bible. Verse number four, last word of verse number four. God said, I commanded the ravens to feed thee there. That was the place of God's will. There, there was no promise to Elijah that he would feed him where he was. He said, you go there, you hide yourself, and I will feed you there for Noah there was the ark for Joseph there was Egypt for Moses there was the wilderness for Naomi there was Bethlehem for Ruth there was the field of Boaz for David it was the throne for Daniel the lion's den the three Hebrew children there was the fiery furnace for for the apostle Paul there was prison it was in prison that God used him so greatly. For Jesus there was the cross. For you it is where God has placed you. The place of God's will in your life. Now I want you to notice three things about being there. Three things about God's will for your life. First of all, it's the place of God's purpose. I think I would be right if I just took a wild guess and said, I suspect that this is not the place that Elijah would have chosen if, if he was given a choice. If God had said, you know, uh, I, I don't want you here any longer. I want you to go somewhere. I really doubt that he would have went there. He probably, you know, said, well, I'm going to go back to my, my relatives or I'm, you know, I've always wanted to go visit this spot or that spot. You know, I, you know, I've got my bucket list and I want to make sure I hit all of those, uh, all of those highlights in my life before I go. And so I, I really doubt that he went there. And I really doubt that Paul would have chosen prison. Do you? I don't think Joseph would have chosen the pit. Remember that? I don't think he would have chosen that at all. But that's where he ended up, and God used that. The same thing is true of Daniel and the three Hebrew children and all of the people that God has used. And the point is that if we want God to use us, we have to be content where God puts us. That's not always easy, but it's always necessary. Our decisions have to be based upon God's will for our life. If we expect God to supply our needs and to use us to any great extent. Because 
We don't always know what's best for us. That's why Jeremiah said the way of man is not in man. It's not in man to know what he ought to do, which way he ought to go. None of us have that ability. We can't see the future. We don't know God's plan for our life unless he reveals it to us. If God just said, you know, I just want you to write out a script, make the agenda for your life and do whatever pleases you. Well, we'd make the biggest mess out of it that you can imagine. And that's exactly what a lot of folks are doing with no consideration for what God's will is. But for God to have his will in Elijah's life at this moment in time, there was down by the brook Cherith. Don't you think we ought to trust God that much? If God said, I want you to go there, why would we go anywhere else? Have you ever thought about what an insult it is to God when we disobey Him? When we refuse to trust Him? I mean, here is God who has never lied. God who has never erred in any way whatsoever. God who has demonstrated His love for us over and over again. And God says, I want you to do this. And in essence, what we say is, no, I've got a better idea. I'm going to do my own thing. God's purpose is for, if it's going to be fulfilled in your life, you've got to be there, wherever air there is. And we'll talk about that later. Because it can be different for different people. God didn't tell everybody to go down by the brook, Cherith, did He? He's speaking to one man. Now, this is His will for Elijah's life. Now, let me give you a word of warning. Don't be too quick to think that you're not where God wants you to be just because there are certain difficulties associated with you being there. I've often told the story about the family that joined many years ago, and I'll never forget they walked forward down the aisle, the husband and the wife and all of the kids, good people, really. But they had come through, uh, they'd come through some bad experiences. And whenever they came down the aisle, said, Brother Stone, we're coming to join the, the church today, but we do. I'm just going to tell you right up front, the first sign of problems, and we are out of here. We're leaving. And I really, I felt like saying, buddy, you might as well hit the road right now. You might as well just keep on trucking. Because I'm going to tell you what, there are going to be difficulties in your life, whether you're in God's will or not. And so don't assume somebody says, well, you know, I think I'm going to start looking for another church because after all, you know, Brother Stone, so-and-so, they're, you know, they're at odds with each other and the church just isn't what it used to be and they've got this problem and that problem. Help us to work through it. Don't jump ship. Good night. I mean, look, we'll never face anything we can't get through if we'll stay by the stuff, if we'll do what's right. Don't assume that this isn't where God wants you to be. And I'm not just talking about being there in the sense of church, but wherever there is in your life, whatever situation you're in. Some of you, you know, you might be married and, and you're going through troubles and trials. And I'm, you might as well expect that when you get married because there are going to be difficulties. You've got two imperfect people, you know, trying to live together under one roof and, you know... Basically, both of them want to have their way and their say in regards to things. Sure, there are going to be difficulties, 
But you need to learn to work through. You need to start out by getting rid of the, that D word. Get that out of your vocabulary and just decide we're going to work through it, whatever it is. Because we're going to face difficulties of some kind or another. We ought to be willing to follow God wherever He leads us, regardless of how difficult, regardless of how dangerous it is. So the question is, do we really want God's purpose to be done in our life? But we see something else here also. We see that it also involves God's provision. Look at verse 4 again. God said to Elijah, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I think we'd all agree that most of our worries have to do with the provisions of life. And there are a lot of people that are miserable because they're afraid that their needs are not going to be met. Let me tell you, there's never been a time when God could not provide for His people. And He has promised to provide for those that honor Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and these things shall be added unto you. Paul said, but my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. And and sometimes God provides our needs in unusual ways. Well, I can talk about that for the next 30 minutes, I suppose, looking back over these 50 plus years now of preaching and thinking about the different times where needs would arise and the way that that God met those needs. And you just scratch your head, you know, and wonder, how did all of that happen? But but God can use anything to meet our needs. In this case, notice He's using the ravens. Are you serious? I mean, sending birds to, you know, to feed the preacher. I've heard of preachers feeding on birds, but not birds feeding the preacher in that sense. I mean... This is amazing. In the morning and in the evening, they fed him. I I can't help but wonder what Elijah must have thought that first day or two. You know, the Lord said, I'm going to send the ravens to feed you. And he's probably scratching his head as he takes off for, for the brook. And he gets down there and he gets to thinking... Did I really hear God right? Could it really be? You know, and he sits there for a while, and then a little bit he gets thinking, you know, I'm starting to get kind of hungry. Maybe I, maybe I ought to go out and scrounge around try to find something to eat. And about that time, here comes a, a raven with food and, and delivery at that. Yeah. I mean, just here it is. It's amazing that God can provide for His people, but remember, God does not provide for those who rebel against Him. Now, just imagine if Elijah had said, well, I know that God told me to go to Cherith, but, you know, and maybe I will later on. In a week or two, I might head that direction, but I got some things I want to take care of first. And so he takes off in another direction. And so the morning comes and, and he's hungry and there's no delivery, no ravens around. 
There's that poor old raven over there at chess sitting on a limb with some food in his mouth wondering where did that crazy preacher go? I, God sent me here to feed him and he's not here. When we get, look, when we get out of the will of God, we really jeopardize ourselves. And there's so many times, you know, people say, well, I just, I don't understand it. You know, why my life is so difficult, why everything seems to go wrong. It just might be that you're out of place. For example, you take a pastor in the church and I've often said, you know, when God called me to preach at the very, at the very beginning, he didn't tell me whether he wanted me to be a he didn't say, I want you to preach, but I want you to be a pastor or be a missionary. I mean, he didn't give me all that information. He just said, I want you to preach. And now I'll never forget, and I've said this many times, some of you are getting tired of hearing it. When I surrendered to preach, it was close to midnight. Me and Bev and my pastor and his wife kneeling down in the darkened auditorium of the Community Baptist Church in Wilderness, Missouri. And God just got a hold of my heart and revealed to me that I want you to preach. And, and I, I can, I can remember whether I said it out loud or not. Yes, Lord, I'm willing to preach. I'm willing to preach and do whatever you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go, even California. <laughs> why I said California, I don't know why. <laughs> but, but I gotta tell you, I, I, I won't be honest, I never had anything against Texas, but I never thought, I never dreamed about ending up in Texas. I'd always heard all of the, all of the Baptist preachers go to Texas. I didn't figure I was needed down here. All of them had already come. But here we are. You know, I, I could say, well, now look, God called me to preach. God called me to be a pastor. And, uh, boy, we, we lived in some scenic places there in Missouri, especially when we moved over to a little place called Foresight just out of Branson. And we, we lived right up on a hill, I mean right up above, uh, right up above the Bull Shows Lake there and beautiful places all around there. And there are Baptist churches there. And, and I, I could have said, you know, I'm going to pastor one of these Baptist churches up here. I would have been as much out of God's will as if, as if I had gone to Timbuktu. It wouldn't make no difference because that's not there for me. There is here. And God had to do some arm twisting on my part to convince me. And Gilbert Wood, whenever he called and said, will you, will you come down and view a call? I said, no, I'm, I'm not interested. And Will you pray about it? Well, okay. What, what do you say to somebody when they say, will, will you pray about it? You, <laughs> I tell you what, if you're going to pray, you be, better get ready to get an answer that you might not expect. Amen. So, yeah, sure, I'll pray. And so I prayed and God just helped me to understand that was the thing to do. And uh, knowing you are there, where God wants you to be gives you a, a, an assurance that all of your needs are going to be supplied. I, I don't. You could ask me what our offering was last week, I, and I'd tell you I don't have any idea. You can ask me how much money we got in the bank. I don't know. 
I don't, you, you say, well, you're the pastor. It's your job to, no, 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 wait a minute. It's my job, you know, to feed the flock and Amen. so on and so forth. Amen. We got people to take care of all that stuff. People that the church trusts and so forth. Right. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't have an interest in what's going on, but, but I also ought to have confidence that as long as we're doing what God wants us to do, He's going to take care of all of that stuff. Right. And let me tell you, that'll be the way every Christian feels in their life. If you know you are where God wants you to be doing what God wants you to do with the right attitude, and you know you're doing that, you can expect that God's going to supply what you need. He might not give you everything you want because that would be detrimental to your well-being. But He gives you everything you need. And we ought to be willing to live with that, don't you think? Amen. And then we see in this provision also the third thing, and that is it was the place of God's power. This entire, now don't miss this part, this entire event was planned by God. Elijah didn't have anything to do with it. God's telling him step by step, this is what I want you to do. So God, with all of His wisdom, is planning it out but he's planning it out in order to teach Elijah that he should and he could depend entirely upon him. That's important for all of God's servants. For us to have that kind of a confidence, that kind of faith that I know I can depend upon God. The storms might come, the waves might rage, the problems, you know, might surround me, but I know I have a God that's greater than all of that. Elijah is about to face a tremendous challenge and, and he needed the assurance that God will be with him. I mean, here, in just maybe another week, we're going to look at the story of him as he challenges all of those false prophets, 850 false prophets. Boy, I mean, if he ever needed courage, it was then. He needed to know that God will be there with me. As somebody said many years ago, the worst of times need the best of men. The worst of times need the best of men. But who are the best of men? I'm going to tell you. The best of men are those who trust and obey God. I mean, that puts you at the top of the heap with all of the others who do that, you see. We never become the person that God wants us to be until we do that. You know, if we want to experience, you know, something such as what Elijah experienced, I'm not talking about all the details now, I'm talking about seeing the power of God in action, then we have to do what he did. If we never venture into the unknown, if we never attempt the impossible, we'll never experience the miraculous. You know, if we just have that mindset, you know, well, I'm, I'm just going to play it safe. Well, if you're talking about the stock market, you know, that might be the thing to do. I don't know, but we're not talking about the stock market. We're talking about Christian service. And God's servants are demanded to walk by faith rather than sight. As I said a while ago, how insulting it is to God for us to refuse Him. 
the one who demonstrated his love and gave his promise. And we resist his will. All because we don't trust him. Now when we think about Elijah being there, understand we're talking about a geographical location. A designated spot. But for you and I, it might not have anything to do with that at all. There for you, that is the place of God's will, the place where God wants to provide your needs, the place where God wants to demonstrate His power, there for you could be something entirely different. It might be a sin that God is telling you to leave. It, it might, might be some habit God wants you to break. It might be an attitude God wants you to forsake. It might be a command that God wants you to obey. It might be a challenge that God wants you to accept. But whatever it is, God wants you to know that He is able to enable you. Amen. So many times we don't accept the challenges of life because, you know, we think, uh, well, I just can't do that. That's exactly how I felt whenever the Lord was dealing with me about preaching. I thought, I can't do that. If God ever made a mistake, this is surely, the, surely it because I can't do that. But if God calls you to do something... God commands you to obey something. Whatever it is that God wants you to do, He will enable you to do that. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We could just go on and on and on through the Bible about all of the examples of God's great power. We don't really need to do that, do we? Because... You're aware of those demonstrations of power all the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. But the point is, God has everything under control. Remember last week we talked about the, the horrible conditions that existed in the nation at that time. If ever there was a time somebody thought, boy, I'll tell you, things are so out of control. I just don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes we feel that way whenever we, you know, enter the realms of politics and get to talking about that and we think about the future of our country and, and you hear, I, I remember a year or so ago talking about could there be another civil war and talking about that a little bit. Now they're talking about it publicly on the major networks and so forth. The possibility of another civil war. We look at the condition that our nation is in and wonder what in the world is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God's in control. He controls the wind. He controls the weather. He controls the water. He controls all of creation from the constellations way up there in the sky to the smallest creatures down here on earth. God is never in a helpless situation which tells me I'm in never a hopeless situation. Because if He's not helpless, we're not hopeless. I don't know where there is for you necessarily. Now, I do know some things about there in your life that God has revealed. The things that God would have all of us to do, for example. There are certain commands that every Christian is expected to obey. 
that it might be, it might be in some detail of your life that God has been dealing with you about, you know, doing something that maybe you've never done before. Doing, doing something that maybe you even dislike. But now all of a sudden you feel a strong desire. That's what God wants. And let me tell you, when, when God opens up that door of opportunity, the only way we'll ever have real peace in our heart is to walk through it. I really doubt that anybody here is ever going to be fed by the birds. I'm not looking for that. I don't get up in the morning and look out. I wonder where those ravens are. I'm not looking for birds to feed me. But it doesn't make any difference whether our food comes by, by truck or whether it comes by God raining down manna from heaven. It still comes from God. It's all from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And in the light of all of that, wisdom would have us to do everything in our power to get there and to stay there. That's the place of perfect peace. That's the place of joy unspeakable. That's the place to where we have the assurance of God's rich blessings. We can't afford to be anywhere else. So let me ask you a question. Where is there for you? Where is there for you? Are you there? If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, let me tell you where there is for you. There is Jesus. Amen. And you really, you really can't do anything for God until you get there. He's the only one that can supply your deepest needs. The only way to everlasting life. The only place you can find the forgiveness of sins, deliverance from sin, peace that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory, a hope that is steadfast and sure, and the hope and the firm confidence that that God's going to supply my every need. It's so amazing that some people get all worried about the report they get from the doctor. You know, well, uh, the doctor says, you know, I, I, oh, my chances don't look good. And, and then they get all bent out of shape because, you know, their bank account is down and they don't know how they're going to pay their bills and what have you. And, uh, and yet they show no interest in their eternal soul. You're never going to cease to exist. You're going to forever and ever and ever and ever. You're going to be alive and conscious somewhere. And when I say somewhere, there's only two possibilities. It's either heaven or hell. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no doubt about where you will be for eternity separated from God. You need to get there to Jesus this morning and trust Him as your Savior. And if you're a child of God this morning out of the will of God, you need to get there. For those of you that have already been saved, for you there would be in the baptistry to give a public profession of your salvation. That's not going to save you, but it, it, it's God's will for your life for every Christian. We don't have to wonder about that. 
Sometimes, you know, we get on our knees and we pray, Lord, just show me your will. What do you want me to do? Well, if you've never followed the Lord in scriptural baptism, there's where you need to be. If you're a child of God, you know, and, and you've been baptized and you don't have a church home, let me tell you, there for you, it might be this church, it might be some other church. I don't know. But you better find out. Find out where there is for you and get there and stay there. And when you do, I'll tell you what, you'll never, you'll never regret it. It doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems or difficulties, but you'll have that calm assurance in your soul. I know I'm there. Well, if Elijah had gone around asking everybody else, you know, I had a strange experience last night and I was, I was praying and God spoke to me and God wants me to leave this place and go to a brook called Cherith. And, and if you can believe it or not, He even told me the ravens was going to feed me there. Do, do you suppose I was just having a nightmare or a hallucination or maybe, maybe it was the devil trying to tell me that. Look, if He had gone around taking a survey of what different people thought about his experience, there's no telling where he would have ended up. And you better not make that mistake. You say, well, how do I know what God wants me to do? Right here. Right here. Amen. God's not trying to confuse you. If you get in the Word of God and seek the will of God, you'll find out exactly where God wants you to be. Get there, please. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank You, Lord, for, for those times in our life where we didn't understand what was going on. We didn't even really understand what we were trying to do. And yet, all of a sudden, that You just intervened in some way and opened up doors of opportunity and You revealed to us Your will. And Lord, we thank You for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that draws us away from our own stubborn, selfish self and draws us into the path of righteousness and leads us to that place that is there for us. I pray this morning for that man or woman, some boy or girl that's never been saved, that they will be this morning. For others that are here, and, and Lord, You've revealed to their heart where there is for them, whether it is a sin they need to forsake, a place they need to go, or what they need to do. Lord, help them this morning to get there without any delay, but to get there right now, trusting You to work out all of the difficulties and to supply all of the needs. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.